want to do more than follow orders, think outside of the box, and manifest your dreams, then you've come to the right show. Welcome to the award-winning podcast, Holding Down the Fort by U.S. Vet Wealth. I'm your host, Jen Amos, a gold star daughter, veteran spouse, and entrepreneur. For season seven, I am ecstatic to be in partnership with the Rosie Network to highlight motivational stories of personal growth, financial awareness, and autonomy in our military community. Now, let's get started. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode here at Holding Down the Fort by U.S. Bet Wealth. And for this particular episode, I am incredibly excited to not only feature people from the Rosie Network, but also people that have been part of my journey as an entrepreneur and people who have been part of the journey that my husband and I have been on in this journey of running U.S. Bet Wealth. You know, U.S. Bet Wealth wasn't handed to us. It wasn't a franchise we bought. It wasn't a business we bought. It's not a company we are employed under. It's a business we built from the bottom up, my husband and I. And it wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for working with people like our colleague Trevor Maxwell. And so I'm really excited for this first part. This is actually going to be a two-part interview. We're going to release the first part this week, and then we'll be releasing the final part of his interview next week. But let me talk a little bit about what you're going to expect for today's conversation. So, And so I think that this quote by Trevor pretty much summarizes this first part of his interview. It goes, I don't want people to give me things. I want to earn things. So Trevor Maxwell, like I mentioned, is a colleague here at U.S. Bet Wealth, and he also is the creator of Military Money Mistakes. In this conversation, he shares his first memory of meeting my husband, Scott, and how he ended up working with us and how he's been with us for a number of years now. And what I really enjoyed about this conversation is he actually served in the military for 20 years. And when he got out, when he transitioned out, you know, rather than trying to translate his the work that he did in the military into a civilian job, he decided to take a different career path, completely different from the Navy. And so in this conversation, he reflects on his journey in the last five years since he has retired and uh, really shifting his mindset from seeing himself as a new guy in the civilian world. And so for this first part of the interview, Trevor explains why he decided to pursue a career that was completely different from his work in the military. And I'm really excited about it. (laughs) So if you are someone who is about to transition or maybe you just transitioned, or it's already been a couple of years since you have become a veteran or a veteran spouse, I think you will find this conversation very intriguing and hopefully very inspiring. And so Trevor, thank you so much again for being on my show. This is part one of our conversation. If you want to get a hold of Trevor at the end of this conversation, please check the show notes of this episode. In the past, I would read off people's websites and ways to contact them, but I have found that I just make a joke of myself (laughs) when I try to spell out or pronounce their links. And also, very often, you know, as time goes on, people tend to update their contact information, and I want to reflect that in the show notes. And so if you want to get a hold of Trevor, check out the show notes of this episode. You can also go to holdingonthefortpodcast.com 
go in that search bar and search for 154. That's episode 154. And you'll be able to find his episode and all the show notes and details that you want to know about him and anything referenced in this conversation. With that said, please enjoy this conversation with Trevor Maxwell. Awesome. I am incredibly excited because one of the amazing things that I get to do for season seven of Holding Down the Fort is interview people that I work with at US Bet Wealth. And so today I am so excited to introduce to you all my colleague, Trevor Maxwell. Trevor, welcome to season seven of Holding Down the Fort. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad we get to get a chance to do this. I know we've been talking about it for a while, and I think we'll probably have some more of these on my thing later on down the road as, as you know, you've got holding down the fort, I've got military money mistakes. So yeah, looking forward to continuing to do this. Yes. Yeah. Just consider this like a cross promotion. <laughs> and we'll get into a little bit about what you do later because it's a crucial part of the story that you're going to be sharing today. And I am excited because having been on your show, I was able to play co-host and and primarily listen and be of support to you. And so now I'm excited to bring you on my show and hear more of your story on this show. So I'm really excited about that. And I thought I'd open up with an icebreaker question because you've been working with us for a couple of years now. So I thought I would ask, what what was your first memory of Scott? Because you met Scott before you met me. And Scott, in case anyone's listening for the first time, Scott is my husband and business partner at US Bet Wealth. And I know that there was something in the past where you knew him and then a couple years go by and then you discovered you wanted to work with him. But what was that first memory <laughs> of, of Scott? So actually, I've been here three, about three and a half years now. But who's keeping track? Well, me. So I met Scott actually through a mutual acquaintance that we had had, Brian Mooka, who I worked with when I was active duty. Uh, I'm a retired EOD tech. He was an officer at one of our at uh, one of the commands I was stationed at, and he had reached out to me and said, "Hey, I'm going to introduce you to Scott." So the first time my introduction to Scott was a phone call, and the first time he sounded like he was very busy. He was like, "Hey." I got all these like 8 million things going on and it wasn't a very long call, but it was quick. It was kind of intense. I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool. The first time I had met Scott in person. And so that was like right after I retired out of the military. So that was like April of 2018. The first time I had met Scott in person, I think was maybe, I don't know, six months to a year later. Wow. What was the organization you guys were involved with? Uh, Synapse Hubs. Yeah. So, Synapse shout Hub. out to Keith Reynolds with Synapse Hubs. <laughs> yep. And uh, so I went to one of those events and I saw Scott and I instantly kind of dug his vibe. I was like, oh, here's a guy wearing jeans, flip flops, T-shirt and a sport coat. And I was like, yeah, I, I get that. That's kind of how I I could appreciate that. Like a lot of people will be like, well, but I was like, oh, okay. So we started talking. I think we all went to this big Chinese buffet or something. And, you know, I had met him a couple other times between then and when I started working with you guys. But really what kicked it off, my own personal story, you know, I got out, started working in the industry. I did it for a couple of years. And I just, as I was working and dealing with some of the other people in the industry, I kind of had this this feeling, I was like, I kind of feel like there's a better way to do this job. And so I started looking for that. And, you know, I had seen Scott at a networking event that was in the building that I was working at. It was like downstairs. I came and I run into Scott and he starts talking. He says, yeah, I'm looking for more people to work with. 
And I had seen a lot of the stuff that Scott was doing on social media, especially on LinkedIn and just online. And I thought, okay, it kind of coincided with an epiphany that I had. It's like, I could be the best financial advisor in the world, but that doesn't matter if nobody knows who I am or what I do. Right. And that's when I was kind of like, okay, now I know what's important. It took me a couple of years to figure out what's really important in being able to not only become a financial advisor, but stay a financial advisor. Because if people who are listening to us don't know, this career field, I think there's something like a 95% attrition rate over the first three years. We call it the yeah. three-year desert. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's funny, like I always tell the story, like don't ask me for job interview advice because my first job interview went like this. I went to go see a financial advisor to help me get ready to retire out of the Navy. Mm-hmm. And I had just finished my business degree. And so I'm like going back and forth with him, all this stuff. He goes, what are you going to do when you retire? And I said, I don't know. I just know I don't want to work for the government anymore. Yeah. I'd like to be able to do something where I can still do, you know, be of service to the folks that are still going out and deploying. And he said, huh, maybe you should come work with me. Like half joking. Yeah, yeah. So I called him up a couple weeks later and I was like, hey, uh, you know, I was thinking about what you said, me coming to work with you. I think I'd like to do that. So me and him went out and grabbed a beer. He's like, well, it's kind of half joking, but if you really want to do this, yeah, yeah, we could. That was how my first job interview went. My second job interview was after I'd run into Scott at that networking event, I called him a couple weeks later and said, hey, are you still looking for advisors? And he goes, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I think I'd like to come work with you guys. Yeah. And he said, yeah, okay. So those were my first two civilian job interviews. That's amazing. I mean, it's it's nice how like you really went from taking this government job for 20 years to like going the complete opposite and and taking the path less taken in a sense and going from, you know, being employed to being self-employed. And, you know, very interesting to hear how, you know, how I, th- I just think it's funny how you stumbled into the industry in a sense because you're you didn't know. And here you are now working with U.S. Wealth. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, that was something that I knew for me was going to be really important for my own mental well-being when I retired was getting a clean break. Like I was a, an EOD tech when I was in the Navy. I got out I was like, look, there's no EOD. I mean, there's bomb squad and stuff like that. But I was like, I don't want to be in that role anymore. I need to clean break. I need to go out and do something else, you know, just to continue to challenge myself. Yeah. I knew if I went and did, I passed up like six or seven, you know, six figure jobs yeah. to go make $40,000 my first two years out of the Navy. But guess what? I didn't care because I liked what I was doing. Yeah. I was challenging myself. I wasn't becoming complacent because, you know, a lot of us joke all the time. We see those guys that, you know, you, you retire and you come back the next day in khakis and a polo and 15 extra pounds that you put on overnight and do like, I I was like, that's not going to be me. I need to do something where I have freedom of maneuver. I'm, you know, my success is dependent on me and I have to, you know, continue to challenge myself. It's just, that's kind of like what we had when I was in the Navy, like, especially in the Navy special operations community. Mm -hmm. That's what you have. You're constantly having to reprove yourself over and over again. And I, I thought, well, okay. This seems like something that would present that kind of challenge to me. Yeah. Well, I think that's really awesome. And, you know, here you are, you know, five plus years from what it sounds like since you've retired. Give us a snapshot of what life looks like for you today, you know, ever since you decided to take a different path and and not be some, you know, not translate your EOD skills into something in the civilian world. 
So it's funny that you mentioned that. I'll talk about that later, how actually a lot of the skills that I had from the military made me really good at this. Oh, nice. And it's not necessarily what people would think. So I guess, you know, for me, the biggest thing that I like about this job is, first of all, I like working with people. I like talking to and meeting new people. I mm-hmm. love sharing information, which we'll get into more of that later. Yeah, I, I just, I kind of have that outgoing personality. I'm not afraid to you know, go up to people at networking events and guess what? I can actually go there and network with people. I don't stand there in in a circle with three people that I already know. I go out and talk to brand new people and meet them. You know, the thing that I like about here though, is I get to do that on a different scale. You know, I like the idea of creating the online, the personal brand, you know, doing a lot of that work, which I tell people, I'm like, look, that you know, the financial advising stuff, the insurance stuff, that's easy. I learned that in my first year in the industry. The other stuff that I do now, the content creation, the coming out of your shell, getting past all of your apprehensions to go out there and put yourself into the world mm-hmm. and start talking about things that you know about. Like it's, I'll tell you this, at first it's a little frightening. Yeah. You know, I always equate that to like my first jump at free fall school when you're standing there looking, you know, down 12,000 feet and you're like, what no. am I doing? <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> and then they, they had a saying, they said, hey, don't worry about your first jump. You're going to get out of the plane. We'll make sure of that. Mm-hmm. It's up to you to make sure you get back on for the second jump. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I didn't have that, you know, that uh, nobody to make sure I got out of the plane. That was on myself, you know, when I got into this, but I love, you know, the free, I mean, like, you know, COVID kind of changed a lot of things for us as far as the office environment. It's funny because I met you guys. I really started working with you guys right around the same time that COVID kicked off. Yeah. It was like a perfect match because I was kind of wondering, am I going to be able to work from home? Yeah. Is that like going to be a viable option for me? And then I found out, well, it's got to be because we didn't have a choice. Yeah. So that was a little rough at first because now I was part-time school teacher and part-time financial advisor. Yeah. I was kind of learning the new skill sets again, but you know, the amount of freedom that I have to kind of, you know, go out and be, you know, be my own boss. I really like that. And, and a lot of people say that, you know, at, who know me are like, how did you ever do 20 years in the military? Cause I hate having people tell me what to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so now I get to do that myself. You know, there's there's some there's some other things that come along with that that maybe aren't all happy sunshiny, right? You are responsible for your success or failure. Mm-hmm. Something that I you know I, I coach in a nonprofit, uh, the Honor Foundation, for people who are getting out of the military, and I tell this to all the you know one of the things they do is these cups of coffee where you go out and have cups of coffee with all these people, and I tell everybody I talk to like, hey, take a moment. Take a minute to think about this. It's it's just a little humility check. Mm-hmm. Understand that right now you, while you're still in the military, have no idea what, what we used to say, big boy or big girl rules. You don't have any idea what that is yet. Mm-hmm. You're going to find out after you get out. But there's that responsibility for that too, right? So you get the increased freedom, but you also have the increased the burden of like, hey, you know, my success is entirely dependent upon me, which I, I like that. It's interesting because I feel like a lot of people aspire for freedom and flexibility. But I think that if if you cannot grow into the person that could handle that, 
I think it's very easy to slip back into a job, which is, you know, it is what it is. Like everyone, I think that we need to have employees like it's it's all necessary. It's just that you can't just go into this life and think like, oh, I'm going to have all the freedom and time in the world. But like you're also responsible for possibly working on the weekends or working holidays or, you know, sacrificing um, some time. And so it is really interesting to, you know, hear, you know, your 20 years of service, you know, from then to where you're at now and having like all this freedom and flexibility and I wanted to speak about, you know, how you started working with us during COVID. And it's funny because we all live in Hampton Roads. And yet a lot of the work that you and I do and with Scott, we do it all. (laughs) We do it all virtually, even until this day. And on occasion, on occasion, we'll be like, okay, well, let's go meet up at uh, Gather. Let's go meet up for coffee. But even then, I just find it more convenient to do everything virtually. In fact, I'm not even really good at like if people want to record in person, like what you and I did for for your show, it, it almost just seems like, you know, inconvenient to like record in person versus recording like this, because you and I already have our setups in our office or in our home. And it, it just makes it easier. So but I am curious to know, Trevor, like, tell us a little bit about that mental shift from, you know, coming out of the military, although it, it sounds to me like, like, I know you're going to mention here a little bit, like a lot of what you did in the military, you were able to translate it into the work you do today. But what was that mindset shift of like going from following orders to creating your own orders for yourself and and living this flexible, you know, free life that you're living right now? I think for me, probably the one thing that I did, the one kind of mindset shift that I made for myself that helped was I just kind of realized I was like, hey, you know what? I'm basically a new guy again. You know, wherever you go, if you go to like any of these, like it's an EOD team, SEAL team, you know, the cream berets, whatever, like they're, they're new guys, right? Uh, the first thing they do when they get there is they say, Hey, congratulations, you made it here. Now shut up and listen to what everybody's telling you. Right. Like, because that is like, but you know, you need to have that kind of humility and, and whatever to realize like, Hey, you know, I'm completely new at this. I have a lot to learn. Yeah. And so I think that first year was crucial for me just to have that like, hey, I'm I'm a new person. Yeah. I've never done any of this type of work before. So that helped me a lot in terms of, of mindset. You know, and I think if anybody else is able to do that, it's not hard. Now there are some jobs. Had I gone and done one of these jobs where I was a contractor or whatever, yeah. I already knew that stuff. Like it would have been easier. But again, too, it would have been less challenging for me. It would have been and you know, I have a lot of guys tell me, they say, man, I wish I, I could do what you do. And I'm like, well, you have to be willing to do what I do yeah. in order to be able to do what I do. Because it's not always, it's not all sunshines and rainbows, right? There's, yeah. you know, but I think from a mindset shift, understanding, hey, now I'm responsible for my success. You know, there's that intrusive leadership that was ever present while we were in the military is gone. Mm-hmm. And understand that, you know, that's not your life anymore. Yeah. I think that's another big thing too. For me, that's why I got into something that was completely different than what I did in the military. I realized, hey, I need a clean break. That's going to be crucial for my own mental well-being is to understand that I'm not Senior Chief Maxwell anymore. I even, like when I call Navy Federal and they call me, I'm like, hey, could you stop calling me that? Could you just say Mr. Maxwell? Like, I'm retired. Yeah. And they're like, well, sorry, sir. That's our, I make fun of it all the time on social media. But, you know, I I was just like, that was a chapter of my life and I'm proud of what I've done. And I cherish, you know, the memories I have and the friendships that I made there. However, 
that's not me anymore. Now I yeah. am Trevor Maxwell, veteran, whatever. You know, so I think having that mindset shift, you know, I don't have the expectation of, you know, people are going to give me free stuff. That's another one that I don't like that seems to pervade a lot of the veteran communities who are like, oh, these guys, they give veterans this and that. Like, I don't want people to give me things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, that's, that's just my mentality is like, I want to earn things. You know, and they said, well, you earned it as a result of your service. I'm like, believe me, dude, I was not doing that. So I could get free stuff. I was doing that because when I was a little kid, I saw guys jumping out of an airplane, you know, from 30,000 feet in the middle of the night. And I thought that looks cool. That's what I want to do when I grow up. Right. So I got to live my dream job. Right. And I realized when I was actually doing, I was like, man, that stuff looks a lot cooler than it feels in real life. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, for me, that was a big thing is just, hey, that's not you anymore. Mm-hmm. Be proud of what you've done, you know, honor it, all that good stuff. But just, you know, it's harder to move forward if you keep looking back. So, yeah. And I, I know in the work that you're doing with military money mistakes, I'm sure that this is something you speak on about a lot because, and actually, I'm curious from your perspective, with the military retirees or transitioning service members that you tend to talk to, is it hard for them to make that mental shift? Like, do they typically want to hold on to their rank in post-military? Like, because I think for you, that is a very tremendous mindset shift. But even to this day, we'll say like Vietnam veterans still wearing their hats, you know, to show like, yeah, I served, you know. And so I'm curious in your observation and your work, is that mental shift hard for mo- most people you- you've spoken to? Um, I'll say this. I do have a couple of vet bro shirts and hats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is fine. You know, it's fine to embrace your status as a veteran, right? I think that's okay. Uh, Yeah, you're a veteran. Be proud of that. You're part of a select group. Not, you know, the percentage of of Americans in the U.S. who are veterans is not that great. So, I think it comes down to the individual too. Like I, I just seem to think that you know a lot of the people that I talk to. I can't classify all of them, right? Some of them are cool with it. Some are just like, yeah, whatever. Some guys put, you know, whatever Colonel USAF retired in their title. I think some of them do that because they know, hey, that gives me some credibility. You know, I just, I think it's harder for the career guys because that's their life. I mean, up until I was, you know, from the age that I left Fairmont, West Virginia at the ripe old age of 17 until I retired when I, you know, a week before I turned 38, that was my entire life. That's all I had ever known. Yeah. And there's a lot of other career military people who are like that. Think about had I done another 10 years, right? You know, that just just increases it, right? Because you become, I hate to use this word, but basically you become institutionalized. You get used to that certain way of life. Some people embrace it, especially, you know, after 30 years, so I guess it comes down to an individual. Like, do you seek internal or external validation? You know, what are your own kind of personality traits? But I think, it, yeah, if, if you can separate those two, if you can say, hey, I'm proud of my service and what I've done. However, that doesn't define who I am. Yeah. That nonprofit that I coach at, the Honor Foundation, really? that is the first thing that they focus on is they s- the question and a lot of the fellows who go through the program they say oh this is dumb i don't like why are we doing this yeah who am i right they say that at the beginning 12 weeks later at the end of the course they all say that first part 
that was the absolute best part of this entire course. And they come back and they tell the next class and the next class has the same attitude. But yeah, you have to find out because, you know, I'm not senior chief Maxwell anymore. I'm, I'm me. And who is that? Understand who that is. And that helps you figure out a lot of things about yourself. Yeah. And I want to speak a little bit on the free stuff, uh, you know, the goodwill that um, the civilian world tends to give like uh, veterans or in my case, like Gold Star family members or just military family members. And it was interesting because growing up, my mom definitely as a a seasoned military spouse, she definitely took advantage of all the discounts or anything you can get as a military family. And it was interesting when Scott and I started dating because he did not want to take advantage of like VA disability or, you know, going to the commissary or going on base and taking advantage of all the things there. And it was like, it was very strange for me because I was like, well, like you served for it, you earned it, right? That's kind of the slogan we say in our company. But I think for him, it was, it, it's kind of like the principle of like, I think, I think it's, it's, it's sort of like the mindset. Like It's like, if I buy into the, if I get the free stuff, there's, there's sort of like a lifestyle that comes with that, I think. And so I had to kind of learn uh, the difference and, and, and don't get me wrong. I still, you know, if it's free, it's for me, but like kind of recognizing that sometimes you have to take a bet on yourself and, and some things are worth paying for. And so I'm curious if you had any, any uh, thoughts about that. Full disclosure. I still get the, uh, 10% off at Lowe's, <laughs> you know, I still sometimes use the veteran parking if it's the only one to s- actually not, not really anymore. Most of the time I rather park way out in the back of the parking lot where I can find a tree or especially when it's hot out. Oh yeah. I don't think it's bad to take advantage of that stuff, especially like the career guys when you've done 20 years and me, my body, like you should hear me hear the sounds my body makes when I walk down the stairs in the morning. And I I think for some people, like those benefits, the something that I talk about in the course, like understanding the value of those benefits, especially in like, you know, not just what you get from the VA, but from the state that you live in. Virginia is a very good state for veterans. Tons of benefits worth, I mean, like potentially could be worth millions of dollars if you know how to quantify like hey what is the value of those like yeah that's benefits education healthcare stuff so i think i know what what i'm referring to is like the guys are like oh we'll put on the old uniform and go down to applebee's on veterans day got it <laughs> like dude you can't splurge 15 bucks for your bourbon street steak come on <laughs> Right. I think what I'm hearing from you is to each their own. Right. There's nothing wrong about it. Like I think about even my own mom and after, you know, we lost our dad and she was obviously a widow raising three kids like she would she took advantage of every military discount that was available, which was understandably so. And I think for I think for Scott. I'm just speaking on my own observation, not what he's thinking. I don't know what he's thinking like half of the time. And but it's more like I think for him, it's more like the principle of like wanting to make your own way. You know, that that is why he kind of focuses more on being an entrepreneur versus, let's say, like, you know, flashing the veteran card all the time. So it's just interesting. And I just thought it was worth mentioning. And I think kind of the takeaway I'm hearing from you and even your interactions with other people is, you know, to each their own, to each their own. It, it is what it is. It's just that in your story, you decided, you know, one, that you know, you're going to be a new person in post-military life. And two, you know, you'll be selective on all the free stuff that you get. <laughs> hey, this is your host, Jen Amos. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Holding Down the Fort by U.S. Vet Wealth. 
Visit holdingdownthefortspodcast.com to access the full show notes of this episode, including resources mentioned and bonus content. Once again, that's holdingdownthefortspodcast.com. Lastly, stay after this outro music for something a little extra. Thanks again and chat soon. Bye for now. Well, thank you, Trevor, once again for being on my show. I look forward to continuing our conversation next week, a week from now, at the time that this episode is being released to listen to the second half of my conversation with you. And so that being said, if you want to see if there's any other additional bonus content released from this episode, highly recommend you check out our free podcast portal. Just check out the show notes of this episode and get that unique link. We don't have a special domain name for it just yet, and that's okay because I want to make it hard for people. <laughs> uh, I think the people who will actually join will actually want to be there, I'd like to believe. And so, you know, in this portal, you'll get exclusive content. You may also, you may or may not also, you know, get access to Trevor Maxwell's program, Military Money Mistakes. And so if that's something you're interested, like I said, check out the show notes of this episode. Until then, I just want to thank you all so much for hanging out with me here in the outro. These conversations will become more in-depth as the episodes go on. As of right now, I don't have any new stuff to say. I will have something to say. I will have something to say in the upcoming episode because, hint, hint, some of these conversations that I'm going to have, uh, I don't even want to say it yet. <laughs> Y'all will have to stick around for the next episode, okay? Next Monday. So that's my teaser for the day. I have uh, a lot to grieve about. I'll just give you hints about that for now. Until then, thank you so much for joining this conversation. We hope you got a ton of value out of it. Look forward to Trevor's conversation, the second part of this next week. And also be on the lookout for the next episode taking place this following Monday, where I will explain a little bit more about this reaction that I have. <laughs> All right, until then, tune in next time. Bye.